Good morning. This is, uh, I believe, day 40 of my uh, Doc Scott's Revival talk. This is what we do at 7 to 7.05 is when we usually get started. Probably 7, but, you know, right around there, right? Um, what do I call that? Like, revival time? Um, so, anyway, I wanted to um, talk um, just about a couple fun things. Um, if you joined us for our revival talk last night with Jamie, that um, that was really fun. And um, a lot of interesting things came out of that one. So if you didn't get a chance to look at it, you might go back and look at it. Um, I wanted to define this word kairos. Um, it says, um, chronos refers to minutes and seconds. It's the measurable resource, right? Kairos is the word, however, used for time in Ephesians, and kairos means an appointed time, an opportune moment, a due season. So it is an opportune time, it's a pregnant moment, if you will. It's a moment where, you know, it kind of fits the model of things we've been talking about with convergence. It's that convergence of all things into a moment that we have to actually kind of grab because it's here. And so it's, it's you know, looking for the, the, that moment and us being in that moment. And essentially, I think there's a real key for us and just realizing the time and the season that we're in, I call it an era, not a season, because I don't think it's gonna ever be the same. And um, I was reminded, you know, I love the story of Esther and we're kind of rolling on that one a little bit. And um, the whole thing with Esther and Mordecai, I thought was something very, a lot of interesting things there. But I think the thing that was the most poignant or the thing that stood out the most to me in that story um, was the moment, the Kairos moment that they had entered, you know, hence the phrase for such a time as this. And in the context of revival and the things that we've been, you know, kind of pressing into, like we've been kind of praying into a move of God for a long time. And sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, like, where are we at in that moment? And, you know, I know for me, right, Carpe Diem sees the day. And um, we're in that moment right now. And I know for me, like, in, in, when we've been on this long, you know, um, journey, and we were talking about this a little bit last night, you know, in Isaiah 66, we talk about, you know, bringing, you know, he says, will I bring to the point of delivery and not give birth? And I talked a little bit yesterday about transition. You know, so for many of us, we're kind of, we sense the transition. And for some of us, that means we're kind of ending a season in one seat, getting reseated and starting a new era. And with that seat comes an assignment. And so every time we get reseated, we're being reseated for a new assignment. And sometimes in this progression of having gone through lots of deliveries in our life, and sometimes, you know, I like to liken this whole thing of convergence to being one long pregnancy, right? <clears throat> and when you get to the end of a pregnancy, at least if you watch your wives, you know this, right? That there's a, a lot of, it gets more challenging as you get towards the end and sometimes it feels like the middle is like forever and if we look at the convergence analogy that's the part where 
in our lives, you know, the enemy tries to take us out, yada, yada. And we all experience that. Then you have this place called transition at the end where the baby actually gets pushed out. And so the Lord, I talked a little bit yesterday and last night about how the Lord said to me on the way into work yesterday when I was having my little fit, you know, not wanting to wait, not really being impatient, being kind of antsy. He said, one more push and the baby's out. It's delivered. And so when you're in that one push, we talked about this a little bit last night. Part of what God has done for many of us is he has preserved us from premature pushing. Because if we, you push too early, which means you're pushing, right? Like in, in revival, there are a lot of things that God is doing as a suddenly. And they're not things that we can line up easily. You know, it, it takes a lot of things out of our hands. Like we don't have the ability to determine all the outcomes because God doesn't work like that. And what he's trying to get rid of is our commitment to all the outcomes and trying to get us to live in this um, holy chaos, um, divine disorientation, and unfamiliar territory. And so it's painful for us to be in places where we don't feel like we know what's going on. We can't define everything. We can't grab a hold of everything. I think we realize, I know I realize, how much I like being in control of my life when I'm not. And when we're living in a Kairos moment, a moment in time, a pregnant moment, and we're at a transition place where one more push is gonna deliver this baby. And it's a critical juncture because that push moment and that place in the delivery that we're at, that transition time, where you go in, in natural birth, you go from seven to 10 centimeters. If the push comes too early, you destroy yourself and potentially hurt your baby. But if the push comes right on time, when it, when it, like in natural sense, when a woman is fully dilated, then you know that the baby can be born safely, right? And so there's, there's a whole issue of timing and how the push is and kind of defining what moment we're in. And so we've talked a lot about like that is the, we're in that moment now. And I think sometimes when we go through long seasons of long pregnancies and we've, and we've gone through cycles and cycles of this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And then it really doesn't happen in the way that we thought it would. I think it's easy. It's been easy for me to basically like that's the point where I kind of was starting to cut and run because it was like okay it's never going to happen you know what I mean and so in those transition places we are the most tempted to pick things up and begin to carry them ourselves or begin to push in a, in a premature way in a place that God isn't opening and so transition are are really key Kairos moments because we have to we have to be in a place of listening. And that, you know, I talked about the little story about on that one Sunday where Jamie was preaching about, you know, veils and some of the veils that we have over our own self in terms of being able to really see and perceive what God's doing. And in that service, we we're basically giving God our yes, which I would say at this juncture, that yes in our heart is a present continuous yes. 
It's not, there's a yes for today and there's a yes for tomorrow and there's a yes for the next day. It's not a one time I say yes and we're good. With the Holy Spirit and revival, it's yes every moment. Yes, Lord, what are you doing right now? Yes, Lord, what are you doing here? Yes, Lord. So that yes is a perpetual yes. And he's measuring us by the hunger and the yes. And he is responding to, re, with reverberating power and presence to the yes. Heaven is being moved by the yes in my heart. So that's a present continuous. And so in that moment, in that service, you know, Jesus literally, like I saw him stand in front of me and rip a veil. And he was standing face to face with me. And he said, I need you focused. And then he said, my still small voice is as big as the voice that comes in the thunder. Because that's the place where we get led from. It's the place that we have to have our ear tuned toward. Because in the middle of all of the clamor and the distractions that go on around us, that voice is the one that gets crowded out the most. And so I know I, for me, I find myself in places when I'm overwhelmed. That's a place for me to kind of evaluate what's going on. Most of the time, we just walk from one overwhelmed moment to the next, as opposed to pausing in that overwhelmed moment and trying to hear. We have to be able to hear in chaos. We have to be able to be tuned to the still small voice when everything else around us is blowing up and going wild. That is a practiced hearing that we have to be living in that place. Because when all of it's breaking loose, there is a holy chaos of heaven where God is just moving and doing and things are shift, 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 suddenly, suddenly. But there's also a worldly chaos that we're affronted with every day. That's the chaos and the storm that we have to learn to shut it up and tune it out so that we can hear even in the middle of that chaos, the world chaos, what the voice is. We can't let the storm take the voice that we hear and like blow it out of our realm. We have to be able to be focused in that place. And so we're in that Kairos moment, we're in a transition place. And, the, and I was highlighting that because those are the places where we tend to make some of our mistakes and not that God doesn't redeem it. There is, there is an aspect of un, um, profound grace, okay? I don't have to get it all right all the time, right? In revival, there is this measure of grace that is multiplied. And so we don't have to get it all right because God's going to always do more than what we expect by us just showing up. But we have to be able to hear the voice so we show up. We have to be able to hear his voice so that we're in the right place at the right time, in the right moment, that we're actually participating with him. And then when we're in that moment, there's, there's a lot of grace. Um, and God does exceedingly more than what we expect. 99.9% .9 of the job is showing up. So in that, we go back to Esther. The most curious part of that whole passage to me 
was, you know, Esther's a little bit nervous, right? She knows that if the king doesn't set, you know, um, put out the scepter, she could be killed. And, but it's a dire emergency. There is, there is, there is something going on that requires a decision now. This is a Kairos moment in that scripture. It's a now moment. You have to decide right now. And we talked a lot last night about what it means. Jamie was talking about to actually like shoot, take the shot, shoot the arrow. We don't want to be paralyzed in our Kairos moment. Paralysis will keep us from being able to walk into and to take the shot. This is a time where it is better to take the shot in faith and take the risk than to do nothing. Because the grace is the part of the equation that will bring everything into focus. This is the moment for us to take the shot, to evaluate what is the shot you are calling me to take. Because it's one thing to know that I need to take the shot, right? That I need to not have my planning and my reasoning cut out the process of me actually moving. This is a move season. This is a take the shot season where we're listening. And that's where listening comes in. If I'm listening and I take the shot, I don't, I can do that in faith and not worry about over planning that moment or over processing it or talking myself out of it or over rationalize. The thing that breaks through my rational mind and my intellect and all of the reasoning that I would attempt to do to figure everything out is the still small voice of God. That voice penetrates all of it. And when we hear it, we know that we can respond and we need to be able to hear it and take the shot and take the next shot and the next shot. This is a season of listening and doing listening and being active. We do and we respond to what Holy Spirit's doing. And we're doing that in the middle of holy chaos, right? We're doing it in the middle of disorientation. Part of what happens in disorientation is we lose our natural bearings, right? We don't have all of our normal bearings. It's like playing pin the tail on the donkey, you know, when they spin you around 10 times. You know, for me, that means I'm going to fall down somewhere because I'm very graceful. But, um, what happens when they do that? Well, you, you get spun around and all of a sudden you're sticking that tail on somebody's, you know, cheek or the wall over there or the lamp that woman has. You know what I mean? Your orientation is off. And so when your orientation is off, the only thing that orients me is God's voice. Hearing his voice. Hearing his voice and then I could take the shot. And if I take the shot, even in faith, even though I haven't got it all worked out in my brain and it doesn't make sense to me, God's grace will take care of the rest of the equation. He's got it. All he wants is the obedience and the response to his voice. He speaks, we respond, we take the shot, it works. With Esther, her Kairos moment was to go before the king and here's what, here's what he said to her, Mordecai, which I think was very powerful and very sobering. He said, look, my paraphrase, you're probably made queen for such a time as this. The reason you're in that spot, 
The reason you've been given that assignment, Esther, the reason you are seated at this moment and this time, and you are not only seated in your seat of authority, where all of heaven is going to back you on this one. That's the thing. There is, like my wife was saying last night, as we take this shot and we obey, what he's after is, the, is hearing and obeying, hearing and obeying. When he says, stop the car, turn around and go back and give that guy $20 that you just passed by, then stop the car, turn around and go back and don't question it. I don't have to know the outcome of everything I do. Jesus does. I just have to be. What we are being trained in is we are being trained in our markmanship from the standpoint of our willingness to pull the trigger. If we will pull the trigger, he will take care of the rest. He just wants to know that where we are, wherever we are, that when he says, there it is, we can do it and go for it. And so Esther was in this spot and Mordecai says, look, this is your assignment. You were created for this. This is what you were made for. This is everything we've been talking for. If we wanted to about, if you wanted to use the language we've been using, this is called convergence, Esther. Every one of your life experiences up to this point has led you to this moment. Everything you've done, and I would say dark and light, good and bad, all of it God has used. Nothing has been wasted. He's prepared you for this moment. This is why you exist. This is your purpose on the planet right now. You're in your moment. You, you are in convergence. You're in your Kairos moment. And this is the moment of decision for you, Esther. Are you going to take the shot? Are you going to take it? Because if you don't, God's going to bring deliverance from somewhere else. But not only that, this is the part that's kind of like the ouch. Do you think you're the only Jew in the house? You think as the only Jew in the house, you're going to escape? For her, it was take the shot or die. If Haman's plan went through, she's gone. And the king ain't going to rescue you. Because when he knows you're a Jew, and he already has a mandate that he's extended, that mandate takes you out. And so he's not going to stop that. You're going to die. And I think... You know, literally, I mean, when we take the shot, when we do that, we are literally saying, because what he's essentially saying is, and what she measured and weighed was the cost. And she made the right choice. Well, if I die, I die. That's what God is after in our yes. I don't care what it costs me. If it takes me out, I don't mean he wants to kill us. What I mean is, are you willing to risk it all to take the shot? Even if you don't understand it, even if you don't get it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, and even if you haven't had time to process it, even if you haven't had the time to you know, do all the things you do, will you hear my voice and respond to my voice? And for those that will respond to my voice and who will give me their yes, I will give them the kingdom. I will give it all to you. You will have it all. You will walk in unprecedented power. You will walk in glory. You will walk in anointing like you've never seen. If I have your yes, and if you are willing to take the shot. And so when Mordecai says, 
It's going to come from somewhere else. That's the sobering part of this. In revival, here's what happens. And I want to read this one little excerpt from the Brownsville revival. Because Steve Hill took a shot. Okay? And he didn't care what it was going to cost. He took a shot. One person taking the shot can spark a revival that goes around the world. That's how critical your obedience is. Your obedience can set something in motion in the kingdom that, it, that, that sends shockwaves all over the world. One act of obedience can be felt around the world and the waves that it sends out as you obey. That's how a nation turns in a day. That's how things happen like that. Suddenlies are, are literally, they're part of the explosion that comes when somebody takes a shot. The shot is your obedience. The shot is your willingness to jump. Your, that shot is your willingness to step out in faith, which is called R-I-S-K, risk and just do it. When you do that, God has somebody that he knows he can trust. That whatever I tell my kid to do, he's got this. And when he does it, I'm not only going to do what I've asked him to do or what he's asked me to do in that moment. I'm going to give him so much more than he could ever imagine. That's the backing of heaven. God rewards richly those who obey his voice. And he's looking for a people. And that's the context of what revival is about. Because in revival... There's a lot of invitations that go out. It's like the grand invitation to the banquet, okay? Jesus is making an announcement in revival. I'm going to lay out a banquet table for you. And it's going to have everything on it you could have ever wanted. Healing, restoration for your family, suddenlies and suddenlies, purging of your soul, holiness formed in you as a work of my transformation, not as a work from out here that you put on yourself. I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the whole table in revival. You don't just get to eat one item off the table. You get the whole spread. What are you going to do with it? And your decision with what you say and your ongoing and perpetual yes in your heart is what determines how much of the table we get to eat at. Every revival gets cut short because we stop eating from the table. Or we say, you know what? I like asparagus, but I really don't like guacamole. I said that because I don't like guacamole. I like this. We like a little healing, please. And we'll take a little intercession. But Lord, please don't make them all fall on the floor and shake like that. Or that's what happens because what we do in revival and what determines how much of the table we get is how much of our yes to everything God is doing that we give him. And what happens in revival in many places is we pick and choose. I want this, this, and this, but not that. That's not the way God works. He's like, I'm doing the whole enchilada or nothing. Which one do you want? And the thing about what Mordecai said, if I say no, fine. I'll bring another way. All I know is I'm not going to be left behind. I am not going to let my unwillingness to pull the trigger and say yes and respond to keep me out of the plan, the purpose, 
and, the, and, the, and an end time revival that will shake the entire earth and go around the earth in an unparalleled way. We have been created and born for such a time as this. This is our Kairos moment that we are stepping into. It's a new era. What am I gonna do with my yes? Because in every place that I say no, and in every place that I hesitate, someone else is going to get that job because the plan and purpose of God is going to be accomplished. Yes, he does partner with men and women, but the partnering with you and me as men and women is, is contingent upon that yes and our willingness to take that shot and take the risk in responding to his voice. When we do that, we get the entire table. We get it all. And what happens in revival, like I said, why get shut down or why churches say no is they want to pick and choose what items they want. And God is not, he doesn't work like that. We don't get to say we want this much of you or we only want carrots. It's like, I'm giving you the banquet table and your yes and your willingness to take the shot is gonna give you the whole table. But you're gonna to have to take everything I've got. And if, we're, if that's what you want, then it's ours to have. He is not holding back anything and he won't hold back anything in our yes. Let me give you one little fun example. When Steve Hill got up, and I'll close with this, um, on Father's Day, speaking to his audience, Father's Day's coming. <laughs> Get ready, prophetically. Listening to the still small voice in his heart, he said, the Lord is going somewhere and I'm going with him. Hill briefly recounted some of the works that he'd witnessed firsthand. So he told the story. This is the miracles, this is stuff that's happened overseas. So he tells them, he starts basically telling Holy Ghost stories. He said, little did I know how dry I was until God soaked me. He said, describing a meeting in which he received prayer and fell to the ground. Later, he asked himself this question. I think it's a really good one. He says, was it possibly asked that people from more tradition-bound denominations were hungrier for God than Hill's own Assembly of God denomination?" which was founded on the fires of revival. It's a very good observation because we assume that because we're charismatic or Pentecostal, that we have it, that we're not dry, that we have. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. When God soaks you, you realize how dry you are. And sometimes we have to get soaked so that our hunger actually gets even more revealed. So here's what happened. Um, he said, Hill told his hearers that God had shown him that Christians often hinder the work of the Holy Spirit through complacency, their criticism, and their comfort and religious conventions. That's what we're talking about. When God gives you the banqueting table, don't, don't, don't treat it like it's chopped liver. Don't pick and choose. Don't say, we want that, but please don't go over there and manifest like that. Don't do that, right? He said... <laughs> He shouted the words, out the words he had received from God, because he got more and more. He said, God told him this, he, like God spoke to him, and here's what he shouted. 
Steve, I am spontaneous. I could do anything I want to when I want to and the way I want to do it. Translating this divine word into an assignment to the hearers, Hill told them, some of us need an experience of the Lord. We need God to touch us. We need the Lord to come upon us. Some of you need to experience the nearness of the Lord, and some of you need to experience your nearness to him. Then Hill gave his hearers a warning about what would happen next. Some of you are going to experience um, fire falling from heaven on your life. Some, he said, will fall down. Why? Because you can't stand up. But the falling was not necessary to receive God's blessing. He goes on later. He gives them, after the pianist and a handful of singers had sung their chorus, he gives one final warning and he says, before he descended from the pulpit, he began praying with them one by one. We're going to start praying. And then after this, I'm no longer responsible. <laughs> Jesus wanted to bust open the doors. He wanted to bring the entire banqueting table into that church that day. And without the yes and without responding, if Steve Hill had not responded to the still small voice, I think it's really awesome how he said, the still small voice told him, that, I'm, that he was going somewhere that day and he wanted Steve to go with him. I'm going somewhere. I want you to come with me. That was what the Holy Spirit said to Steve. If he had not listened to that and he had looked at the unbelief in the room, he had looked at the fact that Kilpatrick was incapacitated and got wrecked by that or any other distraction, he that revival would not have happened that day that way I'm not saying god wouldn't have brought another way but it may not have looked like that and it might not have come in that way and so in this kairos moment that we're in for such a time as this we've all been created to take the shot and so today lord jesus we say we say yes and we say yes to the whole banqueting table we say that we are not, we agree with heaven that we are not going to pick and choose what you bring. And we're not going to pick and choose what it needs to look like. We say yes to all of heaven and we agree with what Esther's story tells us that for such a time as this, we've been created for this moment and we've been waiting for it. There's no other need to ask the question, is this it? Because it is it and we're in it. And in this transition place that many of us find us, ourselves in, where one era is ending and there are assignments being completed and a new era and a new seating with a new assignment is happening, we are feeling a bit antsy. And my admonition to myself and to us all is just listen. Listen and move because one more push and the baby is out. And there's no turning back. Bless you guys. This is good. I'm having fun.
Um, curious about your all's comments and whatnot.